Greetings, fellow imps. I'm Imp Fossil Tom Henske, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, Where Incarnate Memories Prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to now here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Ip Nation, we're back. And wow, I am fired up for today. This is the perfect example of how the imps should work. Um, Amy Mitchell Griffin, say both because sometimes people don't know you by your married name. Uh, and I met after college uh, and really grew like after college and started talking a lot after college. And it's just the perfect imp. But I'm younger than you. So I was in college. I know. <laughs> and by the way, sorry, that's the first interruption. Yeah, you you guys can't even see it on the uh, the screen. She is younger, and she still uh -huh. looks way younger, which is uh -huh. so annoying. So annoying, Amy. I'm so do talk. you. So do you. Mr. So it's, so now she butted in like she always does. She's <laughs> my friend. Like when I'm talking about my friends, Amy, you're the one who are I consider the doer, right? There's never like. Trust me, if she walks in a room and there's something that needs to be fixed, cleaned, whatever, that's Amy, right? She's the doer and like to a fault, right? Because I think in college you had way too much going on probably because you couldn't say no, she's just the doer. So I am titling you my best doer buddy. And it's great because you rub off on me to be a doer. Hopefully that's what this podcast is about is doing things. So welcome, Amy Mitchell Griffin. What's up? I'm so happy to be here. It's so timely. And then I literally was sitting at a dinner last night with a friend, this incredible CEO who's running this company called Chegg. His name is Dan Rosenzweig. And he said, Amy, you know, it's just better to be a doer. You don't ask how, you just ask when. And I was just, I thought about it all night last night. It's so true. Like, it's just kind of the way, I, I don't know. It's kind of how I was made. Like, just do, just go. Um, but I probably have myself wrapped up in way too many things at UVA, but boy, did I love every single one of them. It was so incredible. And that's how I got to meet you. I mean, you know, I look back and actually you were out of college and I remember being really anxious to call you and nervous because you were a college graduate and you were working in New York city. And I had this, I can actually see the piece of paper, um, the little notebook piece of paper where someone from the university had given me your phone number. Um, which I guess we didn't even, I'm so embarrassed to say because it dates me, but we didn't have cell phones. Yet. So I remember you had run this, you got for cancer and your name had come up 400 times as the best person ever that had left UVA. And so I called you and we, I remember sitting on the edge of my bed and feeling laughing and feeling so relaxed and feeling like I'd known you for 20 years after the first phone call. And the first question I said to you was, Tom, I'm running this event to Dr. Cancer what do I do with all the cash I have under my bed? I feel really nervous. 
That's awesome. And, and there was an earlier episode where Jonathan Blank was making fun of mm. me. He was my uh, housemate. And do you remember he told the story of me keeping the money for Shootout Cancer One under my bed into a, a, in a cleats box? That's what like you told night- me. So that's what I did. So yeah, I that used was- to filter that back at Jonathan Blank, who I love dearly, and tell him that I had, you were passed that down to me so that I actually kept the money in a shoebox under my bed. Okay, and and the iron the irony is that I became a financial advisor, which is like <laughs> it, That's it, so it, true. Amy asked me the other day, she's like, What did you major in? And like it's funny, it seems like half of the time we major in something that we're not doing at all now, which just goes to show you about the UVA experience is probably more important than what we majored in. Oh my gosh, for sure. I mean, I talk about that all the time where I feel like three quarters of what I learned at UVA and the school might not like this, but it all happened outside the classroom. I mean, so much happened in the classroom, but so much for me happened outside the classroom um, in everything. I mean, imps and sports and all the things I was involved in. So lucky for you, you got my phone number after I was gone. So that was good because I, I would have been scared of you in school. I, I would have hounded you. I would have hounded you. <laughs> You could tell John that too, if he's not listening, you could tell him that part that I would have hounded it. It was, the, it was the best thing ever, John, that I wasn't in school with Amy, gosh. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I have to say when I met you there, I remember thinking he is the coolest guy. He is gonna be my best friend forever because I'd never even seen you. And I think it was probably a year or two later when you came down, I don't think I actually got to meet you in person until, and if I remember correctly, when you came back, you brought your whole posse who then became my friends, which was Chris Havlicek and, you know, that whole crowd. And I remember walking down the street, we were going to Bodo's or something. And Chris was the first time I got to see the signature Havlicek move of tripping himself to pretend that all, how tall he is he, Chris, you'll remember um, well, uh, right? Is he like seven foot tall? And he would pretend to splay out on the ground and then go, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Yes. Yeah, and then he had another one too, where he would do the trip if there was like a sign nearby, and he would do the trick of like hitting the sign with his hand, so it made it, it seem like his head hit it, right? So he had that going too. Gosh, yes, oh yes. he definitely kept us entertained in the years after um, college, and I got to see a lot of his family because I saw his parents a lot when I was working at Sports Illustrated. So it was really it was all in the family. Okay, so you, how did you wind up at the university? What happened? Well. And I remember like it was yesterday, I was at the national volleyball tournament when I was, I'd skipped summer camp that summer and I'd gone to the nationals for volleyball and I was with our team. And I remember there were a bunch of coaches around the court and, you know, I knew of UVA's reputation just as a school. And I knew that I wanted to go to the best school I could possible sort of had, you know, everything that I was looking for, but still be able to play and sort of try to do, to do division one sports and also be at a, a decent sized school. And so Anyway, the, the coach at the time was sitting behind my mother and I guess the rules allowed, she wrote my mother a letter and handed it to her at the tournament. And that was a letter that sort of changed my life because then very early on, I came for a visit. I'd actually had um, an injury and I hurt my ankle and I was on crutches. I came to UVA, which I think about this now, you know, what helicopter parents we are. My, I came to UVA by myself on two connecting flights. I mean, I was in high school. It's fine, right? And I arrived on grounds in with crutches and a friend picked me up and brought me to grounds. And I walked on the lawn that night. And then I went to a payphone and I called my parents and I said, um, I'm going to commit to the school tomorrow. 
And they said, well, you haven't even talked to the coach. You haven't even been to the gym. You haven't even met anybody. I said, I know. I just walked on the grounds. I went to the school right when we arrived and I'm going to tell them tomorrow I'm coming. And they said, well, wait, wait a minute. Let's do the other visits. Let's, and I said, nope, nope. This is where I'm going. And so that's what I did. That's awesome. Okay, great. So what part of Texas were you from? Give us the background there. So I grew up in a um, small town, Texas, the Northern Panhandle called Amarillo, Texas, which was an amazing place to grow up in that um, I had a, I have great parents and great family and a lot of family values. And um, my parents were great. And, you know, it was, it was a great town where it was a Friday night lights town, literally where our school was part of that group where it was big football and big volleyball. And we had, I felt like thousands of people watching our games and, you know, I got to UVA and I was like, where are all my fans? Where are all my people? Um, because sports was sort of everything. It was either you, you leave Amarillo by, um, by studying hard and going outside the state, or you go and play sports somewhere. And it was just, it was a great part of our life. And, um, and it was, it was fantastic. And volleyball is a big state in uh, Texas is a big state for volleyball. And so, you know, we'll talk about it now, but now you're in New York. So you're like, you still got that Texas accent going, which I love. You think so now? Oh my gosh, I totally hear. But you know, like for me, I'm a Long Islander. So if you don't have a Long Island accent, I notice. So, you know, I've had house guests for a while. And I always say that when I get a little tired, comes out, tired. Um, but yes, it, it does come out here and there. So I'm glad, I'm glad to know that it still exists. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to add questions to these interviews. I won't do it today. I'm going to make people say words that I know come up funny, like for, you know, for Long Island, it's water, right? So water. Water, water. I think I say it that way now. Yeah, I've been there. So I've been there so long. I've been in your neck of the woods for so long. It's been over 20 years. Yeah. So wh- when did you start at UVA? What year was that? So I started in 94, graduated in 98. Um, still have so many friends from those days, both from my sports days and from people that I was in school with. And I mean, so many of the imps. I was thinking about how I've either reconnected or stayed close to so many of the people that were in the imps. And, and just like what a big part of my life it was because I don't, I remember a few of the classes that were really important to me. Um, it's a great Eastern religions class, but I have is it sad to say that I have so many memories of like stirring tuna and, you know, being at parties where we ran in and grabbed someone and told them how cool they were and how we want them to be part of what we're doing and helping other people and running around leaving donuts for the custodial staff at two in the morning. And I mean, it was just, it was a way of life. You know, you mentioned tuna. I was thinking of this, like, I need to get the recipe for that because I don't remember quite how it tastes because it's been so long and probably because I blacked out a few times afterwards. That's a story for a a BG podcast. But so, yeah, it's funny. Calvin Schneider, who I lived with my fourth year, who also lived with Jonathan Blank, he was like the master of that. So I think I'm going to have him on and he's going to give us a lesson on Um, how to- Does he still make tuna? I don't know if he does, but I'm sure he knows how to, he's in the restaurant business. So that's, he, he kind of knows that, you know, I'm sure he didn't forget. I'm positive. He didn't forget. Well, um, my little secret is I think a lot of the time I was actually faking it, that I wasn't actually drinking it. I'm not the biggest drinker. Don't love it. Do not feel great. Kind of learn my lesson. I think I, I remember having this moment where I thought that if you ate the fruit, I was just eating the fruit and being healthy only to realize that all the alcohol gets absorbed in the fruit. Well, that's funny because last night in the Hensky house, we had make your own pizza night yeah. and that's got tomatoes on it. So that's healthy, right? That's the, the pizza I ate with it's the whole. Definitely, for yeah. sure. 
And it was like, I don't understand, but when we have make your own pizza night, I could just go to town because we go to the local pizza place and we get the doughs. Love that. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. I, I will eat, I can eat literally a whole pizza and it seems so logical as it's going down and then so illogical when I wake up the next morning wondering what the heck. But then but, you probably just run it off. Are you still, what do you do? Do you run now? Do you still play soccer? Do you? Yeah, I stopped playing soccer because like I couldn't stop getting injured. That's you were it. you played for a long time, right? Yeah, I played until I was uh, 44, 45 years old. Yeah. But I thought you were 32. Right now? Yeah, no. I mean, like, but it's kind of like dog years, you know? How exactly, exactly, okay. exactly. I am, chronologically, I am 32 for anyone. Exactly. I would not doubt it. Right. And, I I, and also I have, I have one other memory that's like coming to me and, and poor Robert Hardy, who's now, I think, I think he is now or was on the board of visitors and is a dear friend of our families and their family. They have five boys. But literally Robert told me when he met me many years later at some fancy function, you know, at the university that I said to him as I was stirring the tuna, um, oh, you're the old guy in the imps. And I guess he was brought in as a graduate student and he was telling me over tuna that he had two children and I was like blown away by that. And now I have four children who sort of line up in age with his after his two youngest. So, you know, I, I have to apologize to Robert Hardy for he says that I called him the old guy, which at that time he was probably like 25. Yeah, one of those uh, jokes that God has on you, all the things that you said and you thought in your 20s and 30s is now coming back to haunt you in your 40s. Of course, of course, of course, of course. So, okay, then you were, what was your major at UVA? So I was an English major, which was great. I loved the writing process. I think that was like the greatest skill I didn't even realize that I needed to have. But I think anyone who can learn to write well can communicate and do anything and have any job in the world, if you can you know, process correctly and put your words into a sentence and have it make sense to other people. I felt like uh, I really learned how to get my thoughts down in in sequence and for, you know, I love to write. I actually still love to write. I I still write. And I, so I love that. And I also love the idea that I thought, I thought actually that being an English major would be great because I could read on all my volleyball trips. Um, But then I realized as an English major, I had 400 books to be reading. So I was reading on the buses at all times. And I have this memory of the fact that I also had to write so many papers. So I had one of the first laptops that was, you know, didn't just could be charged and not plugged in at all times. And it was so heavy and it got so hot on my knees that I had to put pillows under my knees as I was writing my college papers on the buses. So, so much has changed. And by the way, the buses today I'm told are sleeper buses that actually fold out like in full beds. I was in like the Greyhound bus. I have memories of like laying in the aisle and the bus coming to a stop, sliding all the way down the aisle to meet the bus driver. So times have definitely changed. Well, I remember when we first started having the buses that had the TVs on them. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. And I remember- Yes. Okay. And there was like a VCR. I mean, VCR, not VH1. VCR. Wait, VH1 was that- uh, that, VH1's the channel. Like MTV Sorry. show, but okay. There, wait, wait to show everyone how great to show everyone how old we are. Thanks for doing that, Amp. That's okay. Can I just tell you that yesterday I had a meeting with um, my analyst, and the person was talking about Jewel, the singer, and how fantastic she is, and how she does a lot of work in the mental health space. And then later, my analyst turned to me, and she had a list of notes from the meeting, and she said, "Who's Jewel?" So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that was a moment for me. Yeah, and it's like funny because anyone who's listening to this podcast will laugh. What we were watching on a lot of those trips 
was Beavis and Butthead. Uh-huh, of course. Because there was a guy on our team, Mike Slavinsky, whose grandmother knew he loved it, and she would tape Beavis and Butthead and then give us the tapes for the, the road trips. And so if we were going to UNC or NC State or something like that, that was like four hours of Beavis and Butthead, which is probably why we all became so intelligent afterwards. I mean, it really wasn't- Definitely. For sure. I mean, we watched a lot of, um, what were we watching? What was the, um, we watched a lot of, you know, Reese Witherspoon doing her, um, you know, bend and snap in that, in, in all of her movies. So Legally Blonde was the movie we watched over and over and over and over again, which actually did have a great, you know, it was a great role model. And the idea that you go to school and when someone says, oh, you got into Harvard and she says, what? It's like, it's hard. <laughs> well, like, it's hard. The, the funny thing about these podcasts are it, they've become very annoying for my kids because what I'll do is when I hear somebody say something that echoes what I've been telling my kids, yeah. they you don't say, want to say, hey, listen to what she said. And yeah. you were talking about why English is so important. So I'm going to like have that clip out and I'm going to send it to both my kids. See, this is why it's important to focus on your English in, in school, not only in college, but also in high school. So Anyway. I did. I love being an English major, and I did. And I did love watching Legally Blonde four thousand times on the bus trips. <laughs> so now, uh, speaking of trips on the bus, tell me about your volleyball experience. What was that like? Oh gosh, you know what? I don't have that many memories of actually being on the court, other than the. I have so many memories around the travel and the teammates and the funny things that were said and the fact that my teammate. Whitney Casey, who is now a venture capitalist and someone that I invest with, um, taught me how to pluck my eyebrows in a Holiday Inn. She made me pluck my eyebrows in the Holiday Inn bathroom window. She sat me in the bad light and said, we're going to do this. She had transferred from USC. She was a California girl. And she's like, here we go. And she lined us up in the bathroom and sat us on the counter. And then, and then you know, I always, I love to say the fact it's true. Um, I, I don't remember it now, but at the time when I was um, in school, I could actually order a sandwich for 12 girls, you know, at any sub shop. And I knew who liked pickles and who liked mayo and who didn't and hold the, you know, hold the ketchup. And so I also laugh. I remember we spent a lot of time at Wendy's um, on bus trips and we were allowed to have two F's or one F meaning French fry or frosty. You can only have one F. So you chose whether it was a French fry or a frosty. And so we would obviously, obviously split up and half would get a French fry and half would get a frosty. And then we would dip them in between on the bus. That's a real team building thing. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. And we would also, because we were only given a certain dollar amount to eat, people that didn't eat as much would transfer their dollars over to other people to make sure that we use the full allotment from the athletic department. So it was a, a team effort. I think we called that per diem, right? Per I diem, think. per diem, I, yes. I, yes. I, still, I still don't know what that means, but I just equated to they, they handed me money. But I also know that on the soccer team- Per diem, money for the individual. I don't know, is that Latin? I don't know. Okay, you, come on, like stop showing off. You're like, <laughs> don't pretend like you weren't an athlete. Come on. You're gonna, so I was an athlete and a scholar. I loved all of it. I loved all of UVA. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So, but I remember us using ours for beer. And oh, great! Oh, great! No, we didn't. We weren't allowed to do that. No. How did you? Do, how did you do that? But also, let me also just rephrase that. You were also winning national championships. Yeah, you don't mess with a hot streak. Right? Yeah, and we were not. So what, like, what was the road to the imps? how did that happen? Do you remember that, that road? You know, it's funny. I can't remember. I mean, all I think of when I think of imps is I think of a few people 
and I think of Courtney Page walking into the uh, walking into the dining hall like she owned the place because she did um, in a tank top with her shark scar, which I she still I still believe it's a shark scar. I don't know what the truth is. I think you sh- I don't know if she addresses it in your you know in the podcast she did with you, but literally like she just owned it. And um, so I remember like the people and as I started noticing and then and then and people like Stephen Phelan, who was would yell at me, Amy, get over here, who is just the best. And P- Nikki Kimbrough. I mean, Cole Kelly, I go through these people that are they're incredible humans, like incredible humans. To give you an idea, I was walking down the street in Manhattan three weeks ago. I had my ear pods in. I was on a work call. And I hear, Amy Griffin, Amy Griffin, Amy Griffin. It's Nikki Kimbrough. And she attacks me on the street. Like most people would be a little alarmed. Of course, I knew it was a Nikki Kimbrough hug. And um, and she's just doing, I mean, Nikki Kimbrough is killing it up in New York. She has this incredible fitness business. She has all these podcasts. She was on Broadway. Um, I mean, she's just as inspirational as she was back in the days when she was an imp. And I still see that sort of energy in the people that I still around. I mean, the Chris Havlicek's of the world. Um, the Courtney Pages and and the Phelans and and you know I mean Phelan went and started a church right like he went off and has done all these incredible things and has I think four kids now I don't know if you had another but I think it's four and we we spent so much time together so my memories of UVA really do revolve around being in that church on a Sunday night it was like I guess it was like community it was like family. There were a lot of athletes and it, and it was like a church service. I mean, you know, it was a religion in a way in that um, we were coming together to do really good things for people without using our names. And it was fun and it was fun. And it was, it was good, clean fun. And it was in the service of others. And I don't know, it was, it was pretty powerful. I remember that church. And I remember one night someone bringing in a case of beer and I remember us sitting in the church, drinking the beer, thinking to myself, my dad would be so pissed off yeah. if he knew yeah. that I was drinking a beer in a church right now. But while you're doing it, you're probably planning that she got cancer or doing something else. I mean, I had, and it was fun. I mean, I had my teammates, I had um, Amanda Wells, who was so much fun, who was an imp after me a year or two. Um, after me, she came in and, uh, and you just saw people you knew who was going to come into the imps and sort of just run things. And so those were the people that were brought in and there was an energy that made it infectious and, and also infectious, but also it was still really organized. Like it was still super fun, but it was super organized. Like I think that people that are uh, not myself included, but people that are sometimes really intelligent are also funny. And so the people that were able to have a good time and, you know, that they would let their hair down on a Sunday night and, and come into the church at, what was it? It was like a 10 o'clock meeting. Who has a immediate meeting at 10 o'clock? I think it was 10. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. And now at 10 o'clock, it's like, I can't even talk to another human being. Right. Done. We were just getting started, like to, to have our meeting and figure out what we were going to do. And I can remember being so revved up about how excited I was that like I would plan my whole day around knowing that I was going to go in to that meeting. And then, you know, the other funny part about it was that I think my roommates that were, that were my sorority sisters who were fantastic, but thought I was like so creepy. Cause I was always like, like, where are you going? At ten, what are you doing? It's like 10 o'clock at night. Like, what, where are you going? I was like, Oh, we, we sort of talked about it. We didn't really. I was like, I've got a meeting at 10 o'clock. What are you doing? So it, it became sort of cryptic and it was fun. It was fun that way. I'm trying to think through, do you remember your joke, the practical joke? No chance. No I chance. Remember, 
actually remember thinking I had to call someone to ask if I like don't have like potty humor or whatever. I remember I couldn't look it up online. So I was thinking, who did I ask? Who did I go to? I don't know. Did I call you? I might've called you. I don't know. Gosh, I don't Do you remember yours? Yeah. Do you want to tell it or do you want to save it for your podcast? I'm going to save it. Okay. Okay. You remember it? Okay. Like I'm just going to tell you the three people that it involved who one of which you definitely know. Okay. So my joke was done by this won't surprise you. Chris Havlicek was one. Okay. And I'm just going to give you the other two, Adam Arthur, who was um, like pre-med at the time who you didn't know. And Roger Mason, who was the chairman of the honor committee and former Navy SEAL. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so think about that combination and I'm just going to leave everyone hanging on what it was. So I will, I will tune in for that 200th episode or whatever it is that you decided oh, no. to go on. Yeah, I have to check with my attorney first to yes. see the statute of limitations on yes, anything. Please do. That I say. Yeah, I, I've got to be careful because I've got like a, you know, because of the in podcast, I've got a public persona now. Like I walk down the streets, people stop me, they say, you're the host of the in podcast. Yeah, it's, so I got to really worry about my brand. Well, when I asked, when I told my husband that I was, he was like, well, who's the audience for that? And I was like, he's like, I go, you don't understand. Tom Hensky is one of the most charismatic people I've ever met in my life. And the reason I feel that way is because, and it's funny that we were doing this over Zoom. I was, as I told you, I just walked up from the beach and uh, with a friend and I thought, oh, great. I'll, it'll be like, just like the old days when I literally picked up the phone. I just hear this person's voice. And I'm like, you're basically coming through the phone with excitement and energy. And that was sort of how I know you. Well, you could tell John and John, if you're listening to this, yeah. I have loyal yes. listeners of 207 people, 207 people. That's a lot. Okay. Come on. That is an, that is a kick butt audience. I That's mean, more than I think you'll want to have taken, ever taken his class. We'll have to at UVA, which is a whole nother story, but yes, no, he wasn't. He just was asking, wow, like trying to understand who listens. I was like, John, you don't understand the imps and who these people, like they, they're very devoted to the cause. Uh, someone, you know, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that someone asked me what I was up to and I was telling them the other day about this podcast and they said, oh, send me the link to that. And in the, I'm like, no, I'm not going to send the link to you. <laughs> like you wouldn't get it. Like, you don't get it. You don't get it. Like, it's not like, right? it's not like I could show even my like parents, they would be like, what is wrong with our son? He, like, yeah, it's a hardcore crew of people that really get what this whole mission was about. Yeah, 207, baby. That's I my- I love it, 207. That's, a, that's incredible. I think you're bringing the imps back together again. I mean, it took me a minute to even think about some of the like situations and people. I, as you were asking me about my story, the thing that I remember is I remember someone just coming in. I was at a fraternity house somewhere and I didn't know it was happening. They came and circled me, which you start to think like, wouldn't you be scared or something like that? But they were laughing and then they took me out. And I remember thinking, okay. And then they hand you the pitchfork and you get the ears and- um. I don't know where those are, by the way. I was very protective of those for many years. I think I left them in my parents' garage. It's a good question. Okay, so I want you, I challenge you, Amy, to do this. Yes. Try to go to someone who didn't go to UVA and explain to them the group and how you- I wore. tried last night. Okay, with, tell them, yeah, I had a pitchfork and I wore horns around as we carried- right a plastic trash can filled with al grain alcohol. Go ahead, tell them that and tell me, come back to us, come on another episode and tell us how that went over with that person. 
Well, the, in the, the thing about it too, that was so incredible was you didn't know, I didn't even know what it was. I, I think maybe I'd seen them once before and was sort of like, what are they doing? But you don't really know what it is until you get brought into the group. So it's so different from anything else in life where, you know, a lot of things in life, even for being an athlete or whatever you aspire to do and work, you don't try to be an imp. You didn't try to get into the imps, you know, it wasn't like you could work your way in. It was something that people saw something in you. And so it really makes that group, you know, homogeneous in a way. And yet what was so cool was when I look back at, at my imp experience, I mean, I think of Ryan Hargraves, who was one of the funniest people I've ever met who I haven't seen in, you know, since school. I don't know if you met him, but also our group was really diverse then because it was just about bringing great people together. And so naturally it was really diverse. So Amy, remind me um, when we get off, I'm going to send you a book. Ryan is an author now. He of wrote course, of course he is. Of course I, he is. I know. Shocker. Something he's not great at. So he's also. That's amazing. What, what, do you, what are you writing on? Uh, he likes puns. Okay. And he, he was the pun master. That's why I was just thinking of him. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Oh my so, gosh. That makes me so happy. See, I told you it's like, it's ingrained in you. Imp is sort of ingrained in you. Um, I also tell you a funny story that I was recently at a meeting at um, the Met Museum and this woman who is um, very senior there, she's very polished and she's so lovely, um, was talking to me and she sort of started slowly as we were walking around having this meeting and she said, you're, you know, your husband went to UVA and I said, yes. And she said, you went to UVA and I said, yes. And she said, your daughters go to this school and you're, yes, yes. She said, my sons and daughters went to those same schools in New York and she, she was sort of building this fabric together. And then she said, you know, I went to UVA. And I said, you did? And she said, yes, I loved it so much. And she said, my daughter went to UVA and she loved it so much. And then she turned to me and she said, I think I know about you. And I said, what? She said, you're an imp, right? And she took, turned and she flashed her Z ring. And she said, I was a Z and I went through the Z files to see if your name was on the Z list. And when it wasn't there, I figured you must have been an imp. That's and in the meeting, we sort of, I explode in this very formal meeting. Ha, 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 and we're laughing and I'm saying, I can't talk to you. And people are looking at me and um, it was actually great. It was really fun. So then you're done with Charlottesville and you come up to New York. Uh, you're working for a magazine, right? I think that's what was going on. Well, you know, now it's also so cool that the, the sort of draw for me was that I was living in New York City. I moved up with a... FedEx box and ordered a 1-800 mattress on the floor, had pink eye in both eyes the first week because no one told me. I thought that when you touched the metal poles in the subway, that, that was they were clean. They didn't get, you know, I literally had pink eye both eyes the first week and was um, living with five girls in um, most of them from UVA. And it was quite a trip. It was really, really fun. And with my dear friends, Dara and Tia, and it was great and who were also athletes. And, um, and so I'm living in New York city and I was working at the time at, um, working woman, working mother in Ms. Magazine, which was incredible. Like I had this great job who also was given to me by this wonderful woman named Gretchen Tibbetts, who has been really involved in the university for so long. Gretchen gave me my first job. She believed in me and said, you know, come on board. And so here I was working at the place that Gloria Steinem had built you know, and, and as she would walk through the halls and people would, you know, back up against the wall, I was one of them. And it was just this, and it was incredible. Like the energy was incredible. And um, so that was my first job. And then I went uh, a year later, I went over to Sports Illustrated. I knew I wanted to be in sports journalism and I knew I wanted to be in marketing. 
And I sort of worked my way into the marketing group at Sports Illustrated. And I was working in sports marketing after a couple of years. And it was an amazing ride. And, and actually was working with a, a number of great UVA uh, folks, Cynthia Howard being one of them. I don't know if you remember Cynthia Howard. Cynthia. Oh, no, no. You know, let me. I'm gonna like my BFF. He was my mentor at, at Sports Illustrated and still is one of my dear friends. Okay. Ready for this one? Try that. Try one on me. Not to blow your mind. Yeah. Having lunch with her today. No. Yep. Oh, she's the best. Sin is the best. And she, you know, in an interesting moment in time when uh, content, when, when media was, Sports Illustrated was like king at the time. And I was learning uh, the ropes of magazine world through Cynthia, who just took me on board. Um, she has always been that way. And then fast forward, if you imagine about five years ago, my oldest daughter was doing a triathlon up in up in Rye. And all of a sudden we get there. And for some reason, I can't remember why they wouldn't let the parents into the staging area. And so of course, out of nowhere comes Sin, who is of course volunteering to take care of, to help with the race. She goes in, helps my daughter set up her whole little bike situation, run situation, shoes, gets her all set up. My daughter's a little anxious and there's Sin right there to like, take control of the situation. And I, I stood there and I got teary. I remember thinking, and I just said, I turned to John. I was like, well, that's exactly who she was at UVA. That's exactly who she is now um, and who she was at Sports Illustrated. So isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, if this was live, I would just ask anyone who's in the area who wants to join us for lunch today, <laughs> join us. But uh, she's going to be fired up when I tell her that you, you said that. You guys have to call me. Also, I know Gretchen Tibbetts. She's awesome. I know her. Yeah. I mean, everything goes back to UVA. And, you know, I remember sitting in... Um, I remember sitting in an office. I have to riff a little, I have to go off a little bit on Barry Parkhill because Barry Parkhill was such a mentor to me at school and is now still a dear friend. And I remember sitting in Barry Parkhill's office saying, Barry, what am I supposed to do for work after I leave here? You got to help me out. You got to get me a job. I want to work in sports. Um, you need to, can, what can we do? And so I remember, I think he picked up the phone right then and called Gretchen Tibbetts. So when Barry Parkhill picked up, the, picked up the phone, called Gretchen Tibbetts, who said, you have to meet Amy. And that's how I ended up in New York. And I know what's going to happen. Gretchen's going to listen to this podcast and she's going to say, Tom, you're an idiot. Uh, you met me through Amy. I think. It, <laughs> I don't know. You think? I, yeah, I think you're I think she's going to uncover that. Um, she's going to remember that you were the one who introduced Gretchen to me. I, I think that now that I look back on it, that might have been the case, because I think I came to work with her to say, oh, my gosh, Tom Hinsky is an amazing guy, because she at the time was also running the um, UVA club. Right. And she um, and it was she had some financial questions for her. And I think she said she was talking to you about it and you said, oh, you should call my friend Tom Hensky. I think and, that's right. And, and then, then she was getting an MBA while I was working with. I mean, she's amazing. There's just so many, you know, there's when you look back at the thread, it all it, I mean, it's all from UVA. Like it's the best decision I ever made other than marrying my husband. So good. You laid right into that for me. Perfect. Because I, I want to bring that back in. So what was the deal with John? Where did you guys meet? Because I know you didn't meet during your UVA days. So what, how did that happen? No, and contrary to popular belief, I was not John's student because everyone thinks that I was in his first class because I think I was, I think he started teaching the year after I left UVA. Okay, um, wait, sure. Yeah. 
Right. I promise. I swear. I've never seen him. I never laid eyes on him till the summer of 1998 when I went to an event, which I still don't remember meeting him there. But anyway, long story short, I think it was around 2001. And um, John's former boss, who John had worked with for many, many years, had said to John, I have the woman you're going to marry. And John said, well, that's great. I worked for you for so long. Um, I'm not going to call her. Um, I, you're not going to tell me who to find as a partner. So he didn't call me. And then turns out I was running the New York city marathon and I was training. Um, and I, it was, I was training, I'd run it before, but when I ran it that first time, I said, I am going to go back in like the next year and run it for the Achilles club. Because as I ran, there were so many incredible people, um, from Achilles and everyone's screaming, go Achilles. And it's such an incredible day of, you know, bonding. It's like the one day in New York city where everyone is so nice. Like everyone's so kind to each other, like people who are running it, people who aren't, it's like this great bonding day. So anyway, I was training for the marathon with the blind runner and, um, John's boss, his name is Julian. Um, John, his son said, well, we know someone that's training for, um, the Achilles team and she's already been placed on a team. And it was really hard to get placed with a runner. There's only so many athletes that you could run with. So I get this tech, this email from, I remember I was sitting in my office um, one night from John um, and I, and I was running, you know, it was interesting because I had decided I was working really hard. I was so young and I was working these late, late night hours at Sports Illustrated and getting paid like nothing, but I had such an incredible job and I was learning so much. And I knew that the only way that I would leave the office is if I joined this team um, and my mom also is, she's fine now, thank goodness, but she had, was going through breast cancer. And I was like, life is too short. You cannot stay in the office till 11 o'clock at night, every night. So I'd signed up to run with this athlete, this team member, um, this athlete, Eddie, who had never, um, had never, he'd never finished it before because he kept training and then he would get hurt. And I said, no, no, we're going to train correctly. We're going to do this and we're going to make it happen. And so it made me leave the office every night because if I didn't, then I was the idiot that left the lovely, you know, kind blind man who was waiting on the street corner um, for me to run with him. Um, and so, you know, and the joke's kind of on me because he had such incredible senses all the way around, like his sight, his smell, like he could go and say, Amy, the subway car is five cars down. We want to get in this door. Like he knew the subway system better than I did, um, Eddie. And so John joined the team and we started running together and we were just friends before. And then um, I mentioned this last night, but 9-11 happened. And for some reason, he's the only person that got through on the phone to me. And Eddie said to John, um, so you like Amy, right? And, and John said, no, 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 no. And John, and then Eddie said to me, well, you like John, right? And I said, no, 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 no. Um, and then finally I admitted, I think it was, you know, right before the marathon, I said to someone that I said, you know, I like him so much that if I have one date with that guy, I will marry him. And if not, he'll be my best friend. And so we ran the marathon. It was the, it was after 9-11. They thought about not having the race. We had the most incredible race day because they ended up having it. And, um, it was ma magical. It was crazy. And so a week later, John called me, asked me to go on a date with him. And of course, you know, I only think that that happened because we had this love of UVA, not, not really, I'm just kidding, but we did have this huge love of UVA. That was like all we talked about and we never spent another day apart. So that was kind of it. That's awesome. I mean, you love hearing stories like that too, on a serious note. And I know I don't get so too serious on these podcasts, but it, it kind of makes sense right? That you would be brought together in kind of like a physical endeavor, which is great, but also like yeah. a do-gooder. I remember I opened up by saying oh, my, nice. my girl, Amy, she just does, right? And so you do, and you were doing something that was amazing. He was doing something that was cool, 
to, and then it just life brought you together, right? So it, that's in a kind of weird way, that's how it should work. Well, it's so cool because we share, I mean, UVA is such a big part of our life and um, we have a son who wants to apply, he'll apply to school in two years. And I, I mean, I have to tell him he has to apply to like 25 colleges because he just is obsessed with UVA. And, and so it's definitely, I don't know if that's turned some of our other kids off, but you know, watching, I mean, John, what was crazy was when we actually got married, we actually got married in Charlottesville. And um, when we got married, the Dean at the time of the school as a Dean of students was someone I'd, I'd known and um, she knew John, but we never thought to talk about it. And so she called uh, John or my mother, I can't remember, and said, how in the world did these two meet? And she's like, you know, they're from different generations really because we're 12 years apart. But she said, I would have never guessed it, but this is the perfect thing. Like, I'm so happy that they're together. And so it was so crazy that the Dean of Students at the time was realizing that we should be together. And yeah, I mean, it's UVA is still a really big part of our life. And I, I see so much of um, my experience was so different than John's at UVA, but yet we were both doing all these incredible things that was, you know, were around community and, and people and, and so it's still just a big part of who we are. You know, I ask everyone what their favorite word is with the letters IMP. And I've, a couple of people have said imperfect. And that just made me think of it. So it kind of was like the perfect imperfection, right? The two of you like you know, saying, hey, how the heck did you guys even meet, right? And then it's just imperfect, which is perfect. Yeah, it was. And we always talk about change one thing. Because sometimes if I remember somewhere and I say, oh, I've wish I'd done something different at UVA or done something. He's like, change one thing and maybe we wouldn't be together. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's really incredible. It's funny. You say that word and I wrote down a word that I think is so super important, especially for women. Um, this is changing gears, but the word imposter. Oh, I, that's a great one. I, and love I think, it. I think, you know, as a woman and for me, you know, watching John do what he did, um, John is an investor. And then I really, I stayed back for a number of years and raised the kids. I called them the bookshelf years where I stared at the bookshelves for 10 years while I fed babies and, <laughs> and, and raised humans and let them, didn't let them fall in the swimming pool. Um, but then I came out of that and I really, um, I've been working my tail off and I've been building, you know, I have my own fund and a, as a venture capitalist and, um, and doing my own things. And I feel, and John's so supportive. And so I think something that, and especially as a woman um, in business, there's still that imposter syndrome. And so I have to go back to my UVA days, which goes all the way back to my, you know, the imp moments of like completely being yourself and being who you are and, and realizing you are not an imposter. You are doing your thing and you're being authentic. And, and it's like all encompassing. What's the name of the company? G9. So G9 is my fund. And G9 is uh, an evergreen consumer fund. We invest mostly in consumer and have done a lot in some sort of consumer tech and health tech and fintech. And, you know, now we're doing like F&B and all kinds of stuff, retail. But um, I've learned so many lessons and it's been incredible. And it's really been like my days at UVA. I'll tell you what the name of the fund means in a minute. But, but it's been like my days at UVA because I've said every time I join a team of founders, it's like being on a team at UVA again or coming to an imp meeting to be like, okay, let's roll up our sleeves. Like, what do we got to get done today? What do we need to do? How can I help? And as a small venture capitalist, again, amidst all these big funds, I'm like, you know what? Let me in the deal because I promise I'll help. Like, I'll help you. And I try to make good on that promise. And so I have a team. Um, one of my, my partner is a lacrosse player from Princeton. So if you go on our website and very impish, this is such an imp thing, right? We, we if you click on our headshots, and you stay on it long enough, it actually clicks to our freshman year 
jersey photo from our college days, like just to be funny. Is phenomenal. (laughs) It's and of course my eyebrows are like one eyebrow because that was before Wendy Casey had plucked my eyebrows in the Holiday Inn, you know, bathroom. But I have to say, I um I the name and so the name of the fund G9 is because my middle name is Janine. And I could never spell it growing up as a child. My mom would, my grandmother, my grandmother would say he was incredible. And her name was Janine. Um, her grandmother would say it's, it's G9, you know, that Southern accent, G9. So it was this idea of a woman empowering me to teach me something from the very beginning. Like, this is how you spell your name. Um, and she means so much to me. So it's funny because it's also impish, the name of my fund, because people think G9 is a very, you know, number oriented, male dominated G9. This is G9 uh, fund. And really it's about my grandmother, whose name was Janine and I couldn't spell my middle name. So she taught me G9. I love the name Janine. That was my first girlfriend in fifth Janine? grade. Fifth grade, Janine Burke. I love Burke. that. It all comes full circle. Yeah, it's like, a, I knew we were, connected in some weird <laughs> other um, than the shoebox of cash under under our beds oh yeah yeah because right because then when i left uh uva you took over shootout cancer right i had no clue what i was doing and it was a pretty big deal and i was actually trying to remember i thought to myself did we raise like fifty thousand dollars i was like no it was probably more like four but we probably thought it was or was it like two what was it that we raised? The, the first year we raised a little over $20,000. Oh, so we did raise a lot. Okay, okay. Right, but it was insane. Because it was my goal to beat you. So whatever you did, I'm sure I beat that number. And I'm sure you beat me. And it was very funny because I think it was $20,000 in singles and quarters. Yeah, that yeah exactly. <laughs> right. There's a, God forbid anyone was carrying around a $20 bill at that point in life, right? So go back to G9 for a second. Sorry, I'm like king of getting us off track. No, I'm no, t- no, I love it. I'm talking about my fifth grade girlfriend, which I know is very interesting to everybody. I'm so, going to ask about that on the podcast when I do, yeah, when I do yeah, part yeah. of yours. You need to have a multiple podcast where you have like a few people interview you because you're going to be really cautious of who you let do it. And we uh, need to make sure that all sides of Tom Hensky are the same. I, I've pretty much eliminated, I figured I've eliminated five people that cannot do it. I'm you actually, me. I, I, well, I think I probably what I should do is hire someone outside the imps who doesn't okay. know me at all, who can't bring in some of those stories because okay, it, okay. the chance of it being like user friendly for a public audience is probably zero. So what G9, so what are you, tell me something cool that you did with G9, like a specific story that you liked. Yeah. I mean, well, there's so many of them. Um, I guess the most recent that's been really incredible and it is back to my roots is I invested in Bumble. Um, I met Whitney Wolf Hurd, who was a Texan and, um, and an incredible founder, incredible young founder who just had this vision for positive, healthy relationships. And um, I invested late in the game, but I met Whitney and literally we hit it off like house on fire. I didn't even know who she was when I was sitting next to her at this lunch and became really, really close, invested in the round. And then, you know, I think, you know, as I said to Whitney, everything in my life is about getting to positive, healthy relationships have also been involved in the One Love Foundation, which came out of UVA, um, which is incredible. And maybe the imps should take that on as, as their charity. I mean, it's doing so much good work. Um, but I became really close to Whitney, who is just a huge part of my life now and um, was asked to join the board. So to be on this on the public board of a company that goes public in the last year uh, amidst COVID around a female founded company um, promoting healthy, positive relationships. It kind of is just, that's just my bag. And I just 
have been so honored to one, see how, uh, you know, be part of public board meetings and see how that runs and how that, that works. But also that's kind of what I do every day is I'm working with these founders um, from all different companies to help them build their businesses and, and help them in, in growth stages and in finding talent and in partnerships. And so it's every day is fun. Every day is different. Oh, a shock. You're doing things. You're making things happen. Shocker. Complete shocker to everyone listening to this podcast that Amy is a doer. Well, there's some, I mean, look at the fun, but there's some really interesting investments that I've made that are sort of out of the box. Like I invested heavily in the mental health space for women um, with a company called Real, which is group therapy. So it's more affordable. I've recently invested in a company called Tempest which is the first online AA model. Maybe I don't want to make a joke about people from, you know, looking into this, but actually it's a great, it's, it's a great company. It's founded by a woman and run by a woman who came out of the tech sec- sector. And, and Tempest is the first online model similar to AA, but it's not religious and it's more equitable, equitable to women because women, you know, can't get to AA meetings in the same frequency that men can get to a meeting. So it's more equitable to women and there's no religion as part of it. And you can do it in the comfort of your home and you can be anonymous or not. And you can be sober curious or you, you know, the difference in people is that, you know, some people just don't want to drink four drinks during the week and some need to really go to rehab, but you can really, there's been clinical data for over a year period that has shown um, that there's been some efficacy to keep people out uh, from drinking. So a lot of that invested in something really out there, which is, um, something called Lita Health, which is the first sexual assault kit for women to use to actually have with them instead of going to the police station to then send in one kit and you keep your own because there's a real problem in this country with um, chain of command in terms of how kits are processed. So, you know, I mean, and just like Bumble, I think it, it really starts with Bumble in the idea that Bumble started with the idea that women make the first move. And if you'd asked me that in college, I would have said that doesn't happen right? That's not the way that someone gets asked out. And so I think that I, I get really excited about things. I, I see a, a, a shift um, in society and, and like being part of those teams. I actually believe in that. That's how I met Stacy. Yeah. She was, what? She was on a blind date and she like walked out of the place that she was at. She walked back in and gave me her card. So that was like, and that, by the way, my mother says that was the only way I was going to meet someone to get married because I was so focused on what I was doing with my career that I was like pretty much stopped dating was just laser focused. I I doubt that, but I have a feeling in your career that you literally like, you're the most personal person I've ever met in my life. So you kill it in your career in that way. Very impish, like connections and communication. Yeah. It's, but it's funny. Like those, all the things that you're talking about, I could tell, and our listeners can't see you because you're on screen with me as we zoom here, but like you get juiced about it. You love that stuff. You like, you totally love doing good stuff. And I can totally tell her, good for you. I, you know what? I'm trying my motto. I have it on the website too, which corny or not, it says, let's do this. And so, because that's what, when we were coming up with what the fund is, I mean, that's kind of what I say all the time. I go, okay, well, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Well, you're kind of a model for like the students today, right? As they go through things, because now you're in your professional life and you're doing great things. They're, they're interesting things. It's investing. But so like, what would you say now you've got a, years of experience? What would you say if you were sitting back at the chapel with the current imps today? What words well, 
wisdom would you give them? I mean, two things. One, when I've gone back to sit with the volleyball players, it makes me so happy because I think one of the things that really came out of my experience of being at UVA was the idea that um, we had to fight for what we got. I mean, second pair of shoes, you know, meal tickets, whatever it was, the per diem. And it was the first time that I really had to stick up for myself where I saw there was a difference between how the men and the women were treated. And I thought, no, no, we're all athletes. It shouldn't all be the same. And so I really learned um, what feminism was. And I tried to do it. Hopefully my teammates will say the same um, in, the, in a graceful way of like booking times to talk to the athletic director. We want to come in and ask you about this. How can we do this? And so it was just my first introduction of how to make change. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm really proud of that because I see how that's really affected me today. And, um, and so there's that. And then I'd say that it makes me really happy when I go back and I see the girls on the volleyball team, because when I say to them and I sit with them and say, what do you guys need? Tell me what you need. And I'm going to go battle with the athletic department. And they say, what do you mean need? Huh? And they literally don't know what I'm talking about. And it's in a way, I think it's great because it means that they're getting what they need out of the university. And I think you know, the, the university has done an incredible job. I mean, Carla at the helm at the athletic department has just made monumental shifts in, the, in, in, in just really seeing the athletes for what they need as individuals um, on the different teams. And so she's been great. And, uh, and so I look at that, I always get happy for that. But I would say that if I could go back, I also wish they taught Excel. Like I wish they taught them these practical skills in like in life at school. And, you know, forget accounting like 101, like just excel because every person I know is starting a business these days and, and, you know, web design and just practical things of how to start, how to do Shopify or how to create a small business because it's so, you can do that now. I was like on my dial up computer, like dialing into them, you know, my son, the other day I said to him, I said, you know, you should really just really dig in and learn Excel. It's like the best thing ever. He gave me a look like I had seven heads, but you know, this is going to be again, a part of the podcast that I say, Oh, Spencer, why don't you just listen to this little clip about someone uh, who thinks it learn Excel. Excel. I'm sure there's a bunch of imps that have like some incredible Excel spreadsheet where they're keeping track of everything for the dirty joke banquet and all that. But you know what, like back then we like, I think we kept track of it on a napkin. So, okay. So What's going, you spend a lot of time at the university still, and a lot of the people who are listening don't get back as much as they would like. So what's cool that's going on there that somebody who's listening to this might say, oh, I didn't know that was going on. You know, I wish I spent more time there. I haven't spent a lot of time. I mean, through COVID and all that, it was so sad to see how nobody was really spending a lot of time there. But I think um, from John, my husband's been on the BOV for a number of years and you know, watching his enthusiasm for UVA, like I, I would think that long board meetings and, and multiple days spent down in Charlottesville would be draining in some ways, just sitting at a board table. He comes back wickedly energized every time he comes back and more excited about new people that are being brought on and new disciplines that are being created. I mean, they didn't have the Batten School of Leadership when I was in school. Like I, they didn't have the summer program in the commerce school. They didn't have the fifth year, the fifth year program, which I think the most, I would have done that in a heartbeat as an athlete, stayed on for a year, get a master's in business and get to go travel internationally. I mean, really? Like just the way that they've made everything, and this is probably even old now, but everything is so much more interdisciplinary. So they're getting so much more of a holistic education, like really learning things in different ways and different places around the world. And I mean, I went, I went abroad 
for two summers because I needed school credits because I was an athlete and wanted to get the, you know, the credits during the summer. But now it's just like built into the curriculum. It's incredible. And so I know you haven't been back because of COVID when you go back and you're definitely going to stop at Bodo's because I know you're a Bodo's freak, right? I mean, so I was just riding yesterday. It's, it, it's sad now that I do have my dearest friends whose kids are all there. So I go through these cycles of like going to someone who's been at UVA for a long time, who's been there for the last couple of years and say, can you send me your restaurant list? And then I forward it on to the new generation. So I seem to get updated on that. But yes, I mean, the Clio, I just wrote this to a friend who was taking their, their uh, daughter up to school yesterday. The Clio salad with a, a cinnamon raisin bagel with turkey, Swiss, light, grainy mustard, lettuce, and tomato. That is like, but it has to be a cinnamon raisin bagel. Can't wow. be, yeah, cinnamon raisin with the turkey. What's it about the cinnamon raisin bagel that you like? I love, I love a Bodo cinnamon raisin bagel with the turkey and the Swiss. It's like this perfect taste combo, flavor what is, profile. But is it that you like the cinnamony taste or are you more the, ra the, the, the raisin, the texture of the raisins? Like, what is it? People I, want to, listeners want to know, darn it. Tell it's a mustard. This is my non-culinary skills have, can barely make a grilled cheese you know, moment coming in. I think I loved the cinnamon raisin. I love the sugar with the like cheese and the turkey. Mm, so good. I, I would go, that's what I would get if I went back today. And then the Cleo salad you thought was healthy, but by the way, I don't think it's really that healthy. It's got a ton of dressing on it, but it's really good. Yeah, that like- that You know that salad? Yeah, it probably falls in the category of like the- Caesar, like the Caesar. The, the tomato sauce on the Chinello's yeah, totally. pizza. Right. Like, you know, yeah, tomatoes by themselves are healthy, but yeah, but we thought, we thought at the time, I remember someone on my team saying, if you want to stay fit and healthy, don't eat any fat. So just eat a lot of bagels and go to, and go to, go to Bodo's and then go over to Arches, you know, Rob Archer and have a big frozen zero fat yogurt. So that is what I would eat oftentimes, which was not healthy. To bring our conversation full circle, you know, yeah. Ryan Har Hargraves worked at uh, Arches yogurt. I think I remember that. I yeah. think I remember that. And, and I think he was uh, Rob Archer's right-hand person when he opened up the second shop. The second guy. Yeah, I remember I was very excited about the second shop because it meant long, shorter lines because you drove over there. That's right. That's right. Well, Amy, hey, we've been on for a while here. I could go, you know me, I could go three more hours with you. Gosh, maybe, you know what we'll do is we'll, we'll have to have some follow-ups too, because I could just go on and on. But I mean, I'm in, I mean, I just wish I could come to lunch with you and Cynthia today. I mean, what would be more fun than that? Oh my gosh. Who are my favorite people. I'll just be feeling it. I'll be feeling you guys. I can't wait to see who I get to catch up with. Like who is like, wait a minute, Amy, you forgot about X thing or trick that was played or whatever. I'm sure that my brain is not, you know, remembering that, but I can't wait to hear from people that even take the time to listen to four minutes. I mean, I hope they didn't get to the end to hear about my cinnamon raisin bagel because that'd be so boring, but I think there are a couple of great moments in there. Yeah, they're great moments, <laughs> great, great memories. And this is what it's about. It's about catching up. It's about not being so serious, right? I mean, you talked about some serious things, but for the most part, you know, when we're venturing into cinnamon raisin bagel conversation that we have unlimited riveting content to be able to, to put out on our podcast. Riveting content. You know, because when people are listening to this, they're listening because I'm getting the feedback. They're listening to it when they're on the treadmill or going for a run. They're listening to it on drives. They're listening to it. Uh, even like um, someone's saying, oh, I have to pick up my kids at school and I do it on the pickup line. 
because of COVID, everyone is like, you know, no one's taking the bus or the very few people were taking the bus. So that's my whole thing. Podcasts as I'm walking and podcasts as I'm driving. It's amazing. I'm going to listen to every one of them. I want to hear what they all have to say, especially Courtney. By the way, thanks a lot for letting me follow Courtney Page. Like that's not an easy job to do. Yeah, you did a great job doing that. She is a disaster to try and follow for sure. But uh, and she's, uh, believe it or not, both of her kids are in camp this week or this month. And she is out in, I think, Idaho hiking. Totally. I am sure like just going over every mountain, like she probably still hikes like 20 miles a day. Right. With her bikini top. With her bikini top and her shark And the shark We want the full story on that. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll have to post the picture. It's like, wait, I have one more. This is really important. It just came to me. The amazing Toy O'Farrell, who I don't know if you knew Toy O'Farrell. So Toy O'Farrell, who is just, who I've not seen in a long time, but Toy was friends with Phelan and, and, and Nikki and the whole group. And, and there was like Tiki Barber was there and with Cole Kelly, Toy was great friends with Cole Kelly. And um, Toy, like Courtney, told us that her parents named her because she was conceived in the back of a Toyota. Oh my gosh. So that's she told me her name was Toy. And I don't know if that's really true either, but that's also like another imp story. So we need to ask, Toy O'Farrell, if she really was conceived in the back of a Toyota, and we need to ask Courtney Page if the shark uh, scar is really a shark. Okay, Imp Nation, you heard it it out there. This is what people want to know, and this is just further proof that Amy (laughs) removed from UVA number of years is still as fun as they get. Love you and love hanging out with you. And and so fun to hang out on a Zoom video as opposed to just seeing each other through holiday cards, right? Which are like unbelievably cute to look at once a year, but nothing beats this. It's so good to see you. Imp Nation, you just heard from Amy Legend, the doer. Love her. Love everything that she's doing. And most important, I love the energy that she brings to not only me, but to all of us. It's fantastic. Hi, Imp Nation. And I can't wait to see you all in Charlottesville. Awesome. We'll all be at the reunion whenever we get that scheduled and guarantee Amy will be on the front of the line getting down there uh, and yipping it up and dancing when we get eating on the, the fruit and tuna. Eating the fruit and tuna. <laughs> all right, Imp Nation, if you need me for anything, reach out. Love talking to you all. Take care and have a great day. Hi there, Tom here. Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense. C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.